Welcome back to The Strong Room. One of the focal points of the flooding was the Calgary Zoo, which took a devastating blow from the ravages of the roiling floodwaters. Sherry McMillan spoke with noted conservation educator Brian Keating in the days following the flooding destruction. I got to the zoo at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The door was locked for the presentation room. So I found a phone and phoned over to the AV tech and he said, Brian, the zoo is going to be flooded. The one in a hundred year is coming this way. You've got about four or five hours to get home and save your own house. That sends shivers up my spine, Brian. Oh, Sherry, it was weird. The zoo was in kind of a suspended animation. There were people running this way and running that way. Obviously, all the people had already been told to leave the zoo grounds. And it was this impending silence of uh, intensity, I suppose. Now, I was not, of course, part of the whole program of animal evacuation, but I heard the stories from many of the staff, and and it was a very, very scary time. It'll probably go down in the record books as one of the most significant animal evacuation stories of all times. Uh, the, the staff worked diligently and very quickly and very professionally to move the animals that needed to be moved up into the holding areas up at the Animal Health Center, which is way out of the flood zone. And other animals were then made sure that they were going to be comfortable in their exhibits. Some of the exhibits, Sherry, over the years were designed with the one in a hundred year flood in mind so that the animals would have a chance to climb out of a danger zone. So some of the animals could be left and some of them were just too big to move. The hippos, for instance, and the giraffe. And it would have been very complicated and it would have taken a lot of manpower to move them. And fortunately, both the hippos and the giraffe did just fine. They were quite worried about the giraffe. It was standing in deep water for several days, and you can imagine the stress that that poor animal must have gone through. But uh, in the end, it all worked out. We were very fortunate with the outcome with the hippo, I understand. We were, yes. Uh, Actually, one of the head curators was able to go for a swim into the building to ensure that the doors were closed to prevent the hippo from escaping, because the hippo, of course, just managed to walk out of its exhibit and it was the photograph I saw showed the hippo in the middle of all this floating debris, essentially in the public area reading the signs that I'm sure it was curious about all these years watching people read the signs. Now it was on the human side. But it was it was very, very scary, and I can't imagine how nervous the staff must have been uh, seeing these animals that they've cared for for so many years so close to essentially escaping. And if, if that hippo had gotten out, it would have ended very tragically. I had a chat with the zoo director, Dr. Clement Lanthier, just uh, a few days after the the flood had hit when the water had started to subside. And we talked for quite a long time on the phone and he said it was, it was eerily surreal. He would take his kayak out and kayak amongst the exhibits and into the buildings. And he said it was just one of the most disheartening and sad moments of his career being out there knowing that this will forever change the zoo, at least in his lifetime. And it's one of those mega projects now to rebuild that. You know, when when you think of the zoo... They operate on so many different levels. Uh, one is, it, it's just a great place to go with the family. And so family time, uncomplicated family time, without the pressure of buying stuff. You're out there connecting with nature. And so that's one level. Another level is the educational component. Uh, you know, they've had such fantastic volunteers, the docents, and the education staff has grown in so many ways over the years. And I was in charge of the education department for 15 years at the zoo. And it's a very dynamic, very dedicated group of people that are there for all the right reasons, to get people excited about nature. And I think, Sherry, and one of the things that we have 
as a huge problem is this lack of connection with nature. We're, we're losing that. And I worry about future generations. If, if kids these days don't have a from-the-heart love for nature, how are they going to make the appropriate environmental decisions down the road? So the education department is, has basically imploded at the moment. Now, there are education staff that were kept on, and they will run a program in a very reduced manner, but still it's a lot different than what it used to be. And I guess the third component of the zoo is the research and conservation, and that's what I've been involved with the zoo for the last 15 years, and still in an honorary capacity, I'm still the conservation advisor. And, and that, for me, next to the educational component, is the next most important thing that the zoo does, is to work on promoting conservation of, of species, not just endangered species, but species whose populations or subpopulations may be disappearing. And I, I see that that's going to be greatly compromised because the money that now the zoo requires, of course, is going to have to be put into rebuilding the zoo. We've talked on this show in the past about the hippo sanctuary that we created in West Africa. Uh, that hippo sanctuary it continues to receive our support. It is now a flourishing sanctuary. We supported the first 10 staff for the first five or six years. And fast forward now, 14 years later, the park supports about 50 full-time staff. And it's, it's an economic machine in a forgotten part of Africa that was virtually politically ignored until the Hippo Sanctuary became a reality. It wasn't our idea. It was their idea to make the sanctuary, but we provided the staff and the upfront money to make it work. And now it's a conservation program that is preserving a small population of hippos in an area that has nearly lost all of its hippos. There's, there's only two viable populations of hippos left in Ghana, in West Africa, and one of them is fully now protected by the park that we've helped to create. I think we have a real hippo connection here in Calgary. We have lots of stories about hippos. We do, in fact, yes. We have, we have lots of stories. And the hippo connection, uh, it, you know, hippos are an animal that, they're a storybook creature. They're like elephants and giraffes. It's, it's kids grow up reading about these creatures. They're magical. And to see them on TV is nice, but to see them in the wild is exceptional. Most people don't have that opportunity, of course. So to see them at the zoo, it helps to bridge that very important gap between us and the wild world. And the wild world is still wild. There are still habitats out there that are viable and, and rich and abundant. Uh, last year, I flew in a small airplane over the portion of the Amazon basin, and I flew for at least an hour and a half. I didn't see one curl of smoke. I didn't see one road. I didn't see one mine. In my mind's eye, I could see nothing but toucans and, and monkeys. And looking at this, it, it looked like the broccoli section uh, in Safeway on Saturday morning. Just unbelievable, beautiful green. So there are places like that left in the world, but we're going to have to work hard to make sure those places remain intact. When we do support the Calgary Zoo, I don't know, people do understand how far-reaching. It's an international assistance, really, giving back to the community in this way. So I think it's important for people to really give contemplation to that conservation area. Um, I think sometimes we think we're only supporting locally, and yet we're reaching a much further breadth of opportunity there. Not only that, Sherry, you're so right, but it's not just the wildlife either. When we support the zoo, we support these projects like the Wachow Hippo Sanctuary, which supports 50 paid staff, which supports thousands of individuals in, in the support of the community. We're supporting uh, projects in other parts of the world of equal importance. And when you look at 
the value of keeping an area green and biologically diverse, that's part of the whole system that keeps us as a human species intact. The world is a living organism. And if we, if we don't pay attention to all the components of that living organism, it's going to affect us all in a very negative way. So I know the first and most important place that we can put our money is to help people. Without question, I, this, this flood has... I, I live right beside the river, Sherry. The water was 25 feet away from my house. I live right across from the zoo. On a good day, I can see the giraffe looking at me from my bedroom. So I'm right in the thick of things down there. And, and I, my neighbors, many of them in my community, also were seriously affected by the flood water. So we have to reach out to them first. But please leave a little bit of space in our hearts to remember the other creatures that we share this planet with. And, and a very important component of that is the education that the Calgary Zoo continually filters out into the world, into children, into adults, into community members uh, through of wildlife appreciation and, and the importance of intact ecosystems. I know personally, Brian, I was very delighted and, and surprised when I participated in some of the volunteer work at the zoo and how the impact did reach in an international level. People become educated due to the giving that we produce here in Calgary. So we give to the zoo. The zoo then has projects abroad and those people are employed, then they can go to school. So it is much larger in scale from a, a human point of view beyond just the animals. Although we start with that, it reaches. And so I think it is a really important work that we need to give that space to. Indeed. Yeah, it's community conservation. If we don't help the people, uh, how can we help the wildlife that those people are usually the ones that are they're the ones that are usually responsible for preserving animals in their immediate area so what do you think uh, as an individual that we could do and then my second thought was as corporations and as a community well from an individual perspective every dollar helps and i know the zoo is is desperate for for whatever support can be done and i think it's a they're a smart bunch of people in charge at the zoo they're incredibly dedicated they live their life for that institution, and I know that because I did it for 30 years. And so uh, you can bet that your dollars will be spent wisely. So that would be a first component. A, a second component from an individual perspective would be what, what, what turns you on? Is it community conservation? Is it research? Is it endangered species? Is it education? And then feel free to make that dedicated donation so that you know that your dollars are spent in your area of interest that really turns your crank. And then I suppose from a, that, that third perspective is the corporate perspective. And they, the corporate uh, world of Calgary has been, they've built the zoo along with our government assistance programs. They've built the zoo, and, and the zoo is, is, in my opinion, one of the most important educational features in Calgary. And without the corporate support, the zoo would simply be a community park with some nice animals. But now it's an, it's an international uh, organization that, as I mentioned before, has tendrils all around the world, and it's, it's there to ensure that we try to keep a, a world as green as possible for as long as possible into the future. I'm absolutely confident that if we even have 10% of your passion about the zoo, and I know we do in the heart of Calgary, all of us care about the zoo, if we give back and we participate in this recovery, we will bring it back. Indeed. I think so, too. It's going to work. And I hear activity going on. I see activity going on at the zoo every day. So if, if people wanted to, to make an impact, an immediate impact would be to, to write a check. Just contact the zoo. And, and actually, they do have a system in place online, so it can be done online. From a corporate point of view, again, contact the zoo and just do what you can do. 
you know, obviously, it's it's going to be a multi-year project. Have a little patience, but uh, I think that uh, there's certainly light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you so much, Brian, for sharing with us how we can protect the zoo and the legacy we have there. Oh, you're welcome, Sherry. The legacy of the flood of June 2013. Though the flood was tragic, the human spirit rose above the devastation. This is The Strong Room. 